Um, so one, I think it, it's acknowledging the problem. Um, you know, we can't stick our head in the sand and say, oh, there's no problem. Or the only problem is we need to just change our availability to, you know, maybe bringing workers from other countries, um, which I'm not saying that's a bad idea. I think we also need that um, as well. But it almost seems like as an industry, we're saying we just need to find people from somewhere else instead of addressing our problems that we've got now. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swinet Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Genesis, the first power in genetics. Gestal, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Adiseo provides programs and services to help producers achieve their targets in high quality, safe, and sustainable way. Every Pig, a simple yet powerful pig health and production management tool. Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance. Ivonic, we are sciencing the global food challenge. Merck Animal Health, driven by prevention. AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production. NutriQuest, experts serving producers and delivering breakthrough solutions. Welcome to the Swine It Podcast Show. I am Laura Greiner, your host for today's episode. This episode's sponsor highlight is about Zinpro. Since 1971, Zinpro has focused on improving the health and well-being of animals. As the most research-proven organic feed trace mineral products in the industry, Zinpro Performance Minerals deliver performance and profitability to swine operations around the globe. To know more, go to zinpro.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Greiner, your host for today's Swine Knit Podcast. And with me today, I have Dr. Seth Krantz, who's the staff veterinarian for Tosh Farms. Seth, how are you doing today? Doing great, Laura. Good. Glad to have you on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. We'd like to, before we really jump into the topic that you'd like to discuss today, I'd like for you just to take a moment and give our audience a little bit of background about who you are and, and where you're at today. Yeah, um, well, I'm a, a veterinarian. Um, I'm, I think I've been a vet for 11 years now, something in that neighborhood. Um, been working with pigs the whole time I've been a veterinarian. Um, so it's really all I know, I guess, at this point. Um, I did spend some time in the Midwest um, as a veterinarian there at a consulting practice. Um, and I've been in the Tosh system now for nine years, I believe. Very good. Well, Seth, we were visiting before we started the podcast about a couple of different things, but one of the areas that you're very passionate about right now, as I understand, is, is really addressing the labor issues that we're seeing in the industry. And I think that's very fitting, particularly with what we're seeing around the world in terms of labor and, and within the U.S. currently. So let's just kind of jump in on why is labor such an issue for you right now? Why do you why are you concerned? Yeah, so a couple of things. One, um, COVID has really been a, a game changer um, from the, uh, the global perspective. And everybody's had a unique experience, I think. Um, but really what we've ended up with is we've got pig farms with 
not a lot of people working on them. Um, sometimes we're severely understaffed. We're if we are fully staffed, we're talking about somebody's going to be leaving, who's going to fill their spot. Um, and so it's kind of, um, it's really interesting. And to me, it's, it's gotten more to a point of what is the future of our business look like? Um, you know, we're playing a lot of catch up now and we're struggling to fill spaces. And, um, and so what I've come to think of is, are, do we have an opportunity now to just rethink work? Um, another thing I think too, you know, as I've thought over the years, especially as I deal with the same kind of problems over and over and over, um, I think a lot of us can probably relate to that. Um, there's always purge breaks. There's, um, you know, we've always got these mortality issues, whether it's pre-wean, wean to finish, sound mortality. Um, and I think the thing that we don't think about enough in all those situations is our people. Um, they're really kind of the the common link there um, because we know what to do. I think we all know technically what to do to raise pigs, um, but we're not consistently being successful doing that all the time. Um, and so I think that's the big key that we're missing. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very good point, particularly when we think about where a lot of our sow operations are located. We, we put them in areas where they're a little bit more remote from a biosecurity perspective. So that already limits our labor pool, if you will. So what are you doing currently to try to help expand that pool a bit? Yeah, and I mean, we would have the, the same situation. Um, I mean, pigs are not raised in large metropolitan areas, obviously. Um, and the question is, and again, I don't have any answers to any of this. I don't know what the solutions are, but you know what, what's concerned me most is why are people are leaving? Um, you know, I think that concerns me more than where the next people going to come from. Um, you know, certainly we've um, explored all the options that lots of people are doing. Um, some of those through some of our visa programs, um, you know, trying to work with local, um, even high schools and technical programs. Um, those seem to be a little less effective, um, I think. So, I mean, you know, we're, we're certainly not really doing anything um, outside of the normal and finding people, um, but we're really having the discussions of how do we um, rethink these jobs and make, a, make pig farming jobs people want to do. Because um, I think if people enjoy what they're doing, want to do it, they're going to do it well. And that kind of fixes all these other problems we're constantly fighting. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think you, you and I had visited a little bit the phrase that we used to throw around a lot, particularly from a management perspective, is we used to say, pigs are easy, and people are hard, when we think about the business and the management. But what I'm hearing you say is maybe that's not really the correct way to think about that phrase. Yeah, that that phrase kind of it kind of wears on my nerves a little bit. Um, and I fully admit I've said it plenty of times in the past. Um, but I think, you know, one thing I've learned over the years is pigs aren't always easy, um, you know, on paper. And technically, it seems like pig farming should be pretty easy. But um, I think when you're in it all the time, you realize there's plenty of challenges um, and they don't all read the books. Um, so, so I think that's one part of it. The pig part is not always simple. And then the other part is, you know, when we say people are hard, um, one, that's kind of 
to me, that sounds like we're just giving up. You know, people are hard. We can't figure it out. We can't do it. So it's kind of defeatist to begin with. And then the, the second part of that is when I say that, that people are hard, to me, that comes across that I'm saying I'm not a hard person to deal with, right? Um, so I think those of us in leadership positions, you know, we can say, oh, it's everybody else is so problematic and difficult to work with. Well, maybe I'm part of the problem. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm equally as human as everybody else working here. So um, what is my role? So, you know, I kind of think more of, you know, pigs are challenging. People are essential um, to this business. And really, both of them are worth our best efforts to understand and figure out and um, and improve both of their lives. I think. Mm-hmm. The other part of that, when I hear pigs are easy, I think that that it complicates to our mindset around training new people, because as we've mm-hmm. talked about, so many of our new people don't have an ag background. And so for people who grew up with livestock, you're right. A lot of it seems intuitive and that makes it easy for us. But when you have people that are coming in that, that never really had that pig experience, pigs aren't easy. And, mm-hmm. and we're kind of maybe not thinking about that appropriately then for training and and that mindfulness of how do we prepare somebody to work in a barn 24 or not 24 hours a day, but, you know, for their job. Yeah. I think that you bring up a really good point there too. And um, something that I've kind of been fascinated by with um, what I would call the, the COVID theater of the last 18 months or however long it's been um, is information is important but information isn't the, isn't the thing that um, really influences people a lot of times. Um, I'm currently reading a, a fascinating book and it's really, you know, um, it's, it's a psychology book and it's about something called the moral foundation theory. And, um, but it's really about why are we so polarized? You know, so if we look at politics and religion, all those exciting things that nobody really wants to talk about because we all have such strong opinions. You know, when we, you know, one component of that is typically most of our decisions, you know, intuition comes first and then reasons come second. So usually we we have a gut feeling about something or we, you know, we initially think something's good, bad, whatever. And then we use reasons to justify why we thought that, Um, you know, some people say, well, if we just have good information then that will change people's minds. But you look at the last 18 months, we've got plenty of good information, but. Um, decisions are all over the board. And so we do that a lot in pig production too. Um, and I'm as guilty as anybody, you know, over the years as a veterinarian, you know, I know I go into a farm and I know the right answer, right? I've always got the right answers for people. And if you just do X, Y, Z, life is easy, but then X, Y, Z doesn't get done. You know, maybe it gets done, but not in that order. And maybe they throw in an A and a B in there. And, um, so we all get frustrated, right? Um, and then I'm frustrated because I gave them the answers, you know? And so as I've reflected on that a lot, I think, you know, there's a whole big component of this that, you know, emotions are important. These intuitions people have are important, you know, the framework and their, um, you know, the way they're looking at life, their worldview, um, all these things are really critical. And I think in pig production, we kind of throw all those out the window and don't think about them. Um, and we're very much, uh, a transactional leadership kind of style of, you know, I'm going to give you a paycheck. You work hard for me. And then we all go home. 
Um, and I think, you know, now, especially as we look at generational differences and all the folks in the workforce and the impacts that COVID has had on society, I think we need to, to get past that and think about that a lot differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you, you talked just a minute there about emotional needs. And I, I think that's really important. Um, I actually sat in on a session earlier in the week where they were talking about the impact of euthanasia on people's mental health. And certainly we, we understand that's an issue. It's, it's certainly an issue in the veterinary profession and, and certainly on our pig farms as well. Is there anything that you're trying to do there that to try to help provide support for the staff, maybe beyond just, hey, you know, let's let's raise pigs, but you know, that that mental component that I think we're we're all becoming more and more aware of. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think the I think one one important step that we can all take. Um, well, there's kind of two things. One is we ask a lot more questions or we consider other people's point of view on things. Um, you know, that's when I, I'm always thinking about a farm much differently, I think, than the people working on that farm are thinking about it. Um, you know, and I'm thinking from a much a little bit higher view and thinking about downstream pigs and, you know, marketing these pigs and, you know, all these things. And they're really just probably thinking about, a task at a time or, you know, kind of their micro environment there. And so I think, you know, it's easy for me to go in and make lots of assumptions and, you know, because I'm feeling this way, they're feeling this way. Um, and I think that's very far from the truth. Um, I learn a whole lot from people just by asking their opinions. Um, and this, this is probably not a popular opinion, you know, but if I make a, you know, protocol change, if it's vaccination, if it's anything, really, you go into a farm and you ask the people doing it, how do you feel about this? And sometimes you get some really strong opinions on that, um, you know, and sometimes maybe you're not going to change that, but at least you, um, I think it's useful to see things in a different light, see it from their perspective. Um, and there are plenty of times when I've thought, oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about that at all. You know, I didn't think about how much work that actually would be to do that protocol that way. And so we can work through it and we can come up with a better solution. Um, the other thing I said, I had two things. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, how do we take time to step back and look at our um, decisions from a little bit wider view? Um, I think about all the times of in the heat of the moment, a decision that was made or uh, something that was said or um, and how the ripple impacts of that created more headache and more problems. And um, and I think we're all pretty guilty of that. Of You know, we make quick decisions and we're always making lots of decisions. And so how do we step back and see what is, what should we be doing? You know, is there something that we could be going back a little bit further to even keep us from being in this situation in the first place. So, you know, and you get into, you know, biosecurity, PERS, um, animal well-being initiatives, things like that. I think there's lots of opportunity to just take a minute and step back and, you know, kind of reappraise the situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned earlier that you had listened to, um, a podcast from the the Pepsi CEO. What did you take away from from that? Yeah, so that was um, her name is um, Indra Nui, 
Um, and I'd never actually heard about her. Um, she seems like a pretty fascinating lady though. Um, and she's a former CEO of PepsiCo, um, you know, and it was really kind of a reflection of what she had kind of learned in that position and, um, things she wished she had done differently, you know, in her time in that position. And one of the things that was neat was she was talking about what is the future of work? Um, because we're not alone in the pig business of struggling with labor and all this stuff, you know, and a couple of things, you know, one, she was talking about the, you know, the role of families and how as employers, how are we really supporting, you know, young folks, young families, you know, and so how can we make our workplaces um, better so people can go to their kids events at school or ball games and, you know, have, have hours that, you know, work around those kind of family commitments a little better. And that's a big deal, right? Um, because I think a sow farm in particular is not designed to really care about that stuff. Um, if I'm going to be real blunt, <laughs> you know, people get there really early in the morning. Sometimes they're leaving late at night. Um, somebody's got to be there every single day of the week around, you know, year round. And so I think those are tough questions. Um, and probably uncomfortable questions for a lot of us because it really um, it's really bucking the status quo because we've done it this way for a real long time um, and in my time in the big business not a whole lot's really changed right <laughs> um, maybe you could say the same thing but um, I think we're at that point where we need to as leaders as people in this industry we need to ask ourselves these tough questions mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's move forward from there. How do we get better? Do you have some thoughts? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, so one, I think it, it's acknowledging the problem. Um, you know, we can't stick our head in the sand and say, oh, there's no problem. Or the only problem is we need to just change our availability to, you know, maybe bringing workers from other countries. Um, which I'm not saying that's a bad idea. I think we also need that um, as well. But it almost seems like as an industry, we're saying we just need to find people from somewhere else instead of addressing our problems that we've got now. So I think that's really step one with anything is saying, where are we at? <laughs> you know, and, and what is all of our roles in this, this situation? Um, you know, the other thing is, you know, I mentioned, you know, evaluating things from a higher level. Um, there's this whole construct, con, um, concept, that's the word I'm looking for. This whole concept of um, upstream thinking, you know, we're always, and I feel like pig production is a perfect example. We're always in the moment of dealing with whatever's pressing at that moment, right? There's always something that's more important. There's always something to take up our time. And so we we don't always have time to step back, look upstream. How can we prevent ourselves from having to fight these constant problems all the time? Um, you know, and I think for a lot of us too, we've, there's safety and busyness. Like we're all very busy people. Right? And I think we've kind of become accustomed to that's our comfort zone because it's a little easier to just be busy all the time than it is to really confront some of these big, hard systematic problems. Um, and that might be controversial. I don't know, but, um, and I'm speaking for myself as much as anything, you know, it's, it's not always fun to say, how do we get better? Um, cause we have to accept our deal with our stuff to do that. I think. 
Um, you know, and I think the kind of the final take home is, you know, better understanding both ourselves and our people. Um, you know, and I think that's where we've, um, we really don't give enough emphasis into what do people truly think? How are they making their decisions? You know, this, um, the emotional components, you know, as a general rule, we, you know, we prefer things that are positive, beneficial to us, and we get away from things that are not. So if you think about that, we're constantly, you know, I forget the number, you know, 20,000, I think. I think Marcio said that in Swan Talks thing, you know, 20,000 decisions a day or something like that we're making. And every one of those, we're trying to make the decision that's the most beneficial for us. And so when I'm trying to just beat people down and hammer protocols into them, you know, there's automatically resistance to that. Um, and me acknowledging that, figuring out how to do that different, I think is, um, is useful. Yeah, I think those are really good tips. The other one that pops into my mind, too, is when we think about employee gratification in a job, that gratification typically comes from feeling valued or feeling part of a group. And if we think about the activities, whether it's on a sow farm or wean to finish farm, most are designed to be pretty independent from one another, right? I could monitor sows all day and have very limited interaction with other people. And so where do I pick up that gratification? Um, you know, some people can internalize it and say, oh, well, I saved these pigs today or I help help the sow who's having difficulties. But not everybody works that way, right? So how do we help create that culture where people feel more like a team? Um, so I think one, that's where certainly where us, we as leaders come into play, you know, whatever level of leadership um, role we play in a, a company. If I'm a department head, farm manager, um, production manager, whatever that is, you know, I think those are the the people who need to fill fill in those gaps and connect those people. Um, you know, one thing I've seen as important is helping people see the scope of the job they do. Um, you know, that's one thing. If you start talking to people, you know, if somebody's only ever worked on the South farm, they have no no concept of what's happening after that pig leaves that farm, or you know. A feed mill. A feed mill is a amazing place, and you know, super technology and all that stuff. And if I'm, you know, really in my little silo, I have no concept of that. So, you know, we've even done things where we take groups of people to see the feed mill, go to wean to finish barns, and see, you know, just kind of get a concept of what that looks like. And then I think too is feedback. Um, if I'm in a sow farm, you know, my how I really benefit the company or organization, whatever, is by producing really high quality wean pigs. And everything I do is really a means to that end. But how often do they get that feedback or that recognition for you're making fantastic pigs? You know, we, we kind of look at, you know, well, reject rates are where they're supposed to be. And your PSY is this, but um, really when sow farms are making fantastic pigs, that is helping your company in phenomenal ways, but they hardly ever get recognition for that. We gripe when they don't get it right, right? You know, things get a little off kilter and, you know, quality takes a dip and then we're on them like white on rice. But 
then we don't say anything when things are really good. So, you know, I think all the, and all those things just take time and effort and a little bit of thought. Um, but, you know, no matter who we are, um, and some of us thrive on, you know, positive feedback a little bit more. Some of us act like it doesn't matter to us, but I think as human, the human animals that we are, we love to get praise and feedback and, um, useful, um, helpful criticism that makes us better. Um, and I think we typically just take the easy route of don't say anything unless things are bad. And then we're going to yell at people. Um, and I think that's really creates toxic cultures. And, um, and I think we're really missing it when we, when we just focus on that approach. Yeah, it's perfect insight, Seth. Um, so as we wrap up our time today, are there a couple of key points you would like our audience to think about? Um, yeah, I mean, I think um, I like this concept of we should always really be questioning everything. Um, you know, I think certainly staying stuck in a rut um, and, you know, just accepting everything is our biggest enemy. Um, you know, and I think, again, this is controversial. We look at things like Prop 12. Um, for current example, we all have, we all are very reactive to that. And we all have very strong opinions, I'm sure. Um, but maybe there's opportunity in that, or maybe there's a different way to think about that. You know, there are people out there who are saying that's what they want. Um, and are we going to just be rigid and, um, unwilling to have that discussion or are we going to have the discussion and, you know, try to to meet on different terms. Um, so I think there's plenty of opportunity in everything that we do, every aspect of production, we should always question it. Um, and we should always, you know, I like to say we should never be opposed to getting better. Um, you know, there's always opportunity. All right. Very good. Thank you for those key tips, Dr. Krantz. It is time to our famous three. NutriQuest delivers targeted breakthrough solutions to animal producers via nutritional and non-nutritional products, services, and technologies. At NutriQuest, we believe in ingenuity inspired by service, and that our success comes from helping producers realize improved profitability through optimized technology and efficient operation. The truth is precision swine production is not the future, it is the present. Every Pig is the intelligent pig health platform. It is a simple yet powerful pig health and production management tool. Request a free 20-minute demonstration at www.everypig.co/swineit. For knowledge and news from the global swine industry, access our partner, thepigsite.com. As we wrap up today, as you know, we like to ask our guest speakers just a couple of questions of commonality across all of you. One of the first questions I like to ask is, what's your favorite swine resource? Um, well, I guess um, I guess that's changed. Used to it, it was a book, and I was trying to think of a book I would actually. Diseases of Swine is a good book. Um, I think probably other people have said that before. Um, you know, probably the ASV Information Library is probably where I get a lot of stuff. Um, and then Google. Google's probably my favorite <laughs> resource. There's a lot of good stuff out there. A lot of junk too, but good stuff. Yes, filtering it out is important, but you're right. <laughs> you're right. It's you can find a lot of information very quickly. 
How about uh, something that's not necessarily pig related that you're either enjoying reading or you would recommend to our listeners? Yep. Um, I love reading and I got a whole slew of books and I got a lineup of more I want to read that I haven't gotten to yet. The current book I'm reading, though, is fantastic so far. Um, It's actually called um, The Righteous Mind, Why Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion. Um, It's really pretty fascinating um, and pretty pertinent for the times. Um, So it's a good read. Mm -hmm. Very good. And then lastly, we like to ask if you can think of somebody in our industry that, that you identify as successful and think about characteristics that they may have. What is one or two characteristics that they have that that you think has helped them become successful? Um, really, most of um, all the people, I think of a, f- a few people certainly come to mind when I think of that question. Um, and really, I'd say the commonality between all of them is really that desire to get better. Um, and I think they are typically people who ask tough questions. Um and just don't accept anything um, the way it is. So I kind of mentioned that already, but um, you know that wasn't an original thought by any means. Um, that is certainly seeing mentors and um, other people, I think are really um, killing it out there. Um, it's a pretty common theme I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think certainly not accepting things for norm and continuing to question the normalcy or the normality is, is gonna be critical as we move forward in our industry. And, uh, it's not a quick sound about, but the other thing too, is I think, you know, people who just really enjoy their life, they enjoy the pig business, but they also just have kind of a zeal for life um, and enjoy their family and hobbies. Um, and I think, I think that's probably really the most important take home is just, you know, we don't all, none of us have a lot of time, you know, circling the sun. So, um, you know, we should enjoy it kind of all aspects of it. So I think that's an important point too. We probably don't talk about it. Though. Yeah, you're right. We don't, we don't. That's a very good one. <laughs> well, I do want to thank you for your time today, Dr. Krantz. And for our audience, this is Dr. Seth Krantz from Tosh Farms. Thank you, Seth. I wish you all the best today. Thank you, Laura. Same to you. Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of nutrition on this online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding by Dr. Marcio Gonsalves and his world-class invited swine nutritionists. Additionally, you will enjoy an exclusive community to network and exchange ideas. Go now to EliteSwineNutritionist.com.